All right, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Before we start, I want to relay something a listener sent me this week. If you listen to episode 51, God's Among Us, you know I was talking about the wolves of Yellowstone and the giant sequoias. Trying to make a connection, and I'm not really sure how successful I was, but as it happens, the universe was paying attention and had already made the connection. I just wasn't aware. You see, back on August 15th, the LA Times reported that a pack of gray wolves has been discovered in Sequoia National Forest. How about that? A mother and four pups were confirmed by park officials, and it's a big deal because it marks the first time in over a century that gray wolves have returned to California. A couple of notes I found in doing a little more research on this. The gray wolf is still listed on California's Endangered Species Act and cannot be killed for any other reason than in defense of a human life. The second thing I discovered is in reference to the uproar that is already rising from the ranchers in the area. Uh, Wolves kill livestock and everybody is ready to unleash the wrath that exterminated them in the first place. And if you're in that crowd... You should know the state of California has in place a program started this year called Pay for Presence, which reimburses ranchers for verified losses of livestock due to wolf attacks. Up until this point, there hasn't been a single one reported. And this program will also pay for non-lethal deterrents such as guard dogs and fences. Turns out, wolves and giant sequoias go together after all. Thank you, Brian, for sending me this link to that piece. I appreciate it. And uh, let's get into it. Let's break some bread. About 8,000 years ago, the Egyptians discovered that if you separate the emmer seed from its husk, crush it into a crude flour, and mix it with water, you'd get bread. And by adding wild yeast to this primitive bread mixture, which they had because they were excellent beer brewers, the Egyptians inadvertently created the first sourdough. Now, in the centuries that followed, cultures around the world developed their own versions of this bread. And in 450 BC, the Romans invent the water milling, which is exactly what that sounds like, using a water wheel to power a mill to crush the grain. Therefore, the Romans get the credit for turning bread making into an art form. And of course, soon after, bread became yet another symbol of opulence and power for the Romans. Now, 130 BC, Chinese explorer Xiang Qian returns to China and becomes the first dude to provide credible proof that a safe passage is possible across Central Asia to Europe, and thusly, the Silk Road is born. The Silk Road becomes a conduit for the exchange of herbs, spices, and of course, silk. Along with the cinnamon and saffron, cooking methods and cultural behaviors traveled along the Silk Road as well, carried and transferred to cultures all around the world. In the 14th century, the Renaissance brought balance and harmony back to our appetites, and regardless of nationality or economic status, most people throughout Europe ate bread. With the hustle and bustle of the Industrial Revolution comes the rise of urbanized kitchens, changing not only what we eat, but how we cooked it. Fast food is now a thing. But the pivotal moment comes with the arrival of hot cuisine, which literally translates as high cooking. High-quality food prepared with a high level of refinement. Celebrity chefs, like Julia Childs, demystify French cooking. Globalization via the internet becomes the new Silk Road. It's a digital one that allows for the transfer of diverse cultures and ever-evolving expressions of human creativity and connection. Stories, histories, and invitations 
And you can't talk about celebrity chefs without including my favorite, Anthony Bourdain. And Bourdain said, food is everything we are. It's an extension of nationalist feeling, ethnic feeling, your personal history, your province, your religion, your tribe, your grandmom. It's inseparable from those. It may not be the answer to world peace, but it's a start. Now, this piece isn't coming out the way I'd hoped, so I'm just going to jump in and tell you about the former marine biologist who took Bourdain's sentiments about world peace to heart. Chef Naf Atamna Ismail made headlines back in 2014 when she became the first Arab contestant to win Master Chef Israel. After she won, she created the Asham Arab Food Festival in Haifa. Now, this festival pairs Arab and Jewish chefs together to recreate lost or forgotten dishes. The entire festival is all about eschewing politics for the purpose of building bridges. Every year, this festival gets largely ignored by the press. That is until February of 2022, when director-producer Beth Elise Hawk released Breaking Bread, a documentary that celebrates the festival and culinary diplomacy in the most beautiful way. And that's how we got here. The film has the same title as my episode. Yeah, it'll rank much higher in Google searches, I know, but that's not where this is going. And I'm not really sure exactly where the hell this is going. I just find it curious that gastro diplomacy is a thing, and a good thing at that. But in doing some research, I found that it's just the hip and trendy name that's gone mainstream. The tactic has been around for centuries. Winston Churchill actually called it tabletop diplomacy. And in 1972, even Richard Nixon made headlines when he famously ate with chopsticks during the dinner with the Chinese premier, which Westerners didn't do at the time. Of course, this can backfire as well, like the time Queen Elizabeth visited Belize back in 1985, just a few years after Belize gained its independence from Britain. The meal included roasted gibnut a small rodent considered to be a delicacy by the locals, but the British press had a field day saying that the queen had been served a rat. And then, of course, no discussion about gastro-diplomacy would be complete if we failed to mention President George Bush making history in 1992 when, after being served salmon sashimi and caviar, the president became the first sitting president to vomit on the prime minister of Japan. Here's something else. In 2015, during negotiations for the Iran nuclear deal, tensions were so high, the talks nearly ended at least five times, according to an article in the New Yorker magazine. Now, for 20 months, negotiators had always eaten separately, but on the 4th of July, America's Independence Day, the Iranians extended an invitation for the two sides to break bread together, with no shop talk allowed. A participant at the event said it was the first time the Iranians and Americans got to see each other in a different way. Less than 10 days later, an agreement was reached. Experts who studied this negotiation are convinced it was made possible because of this meal and the rapport it helped to foster. I have always been enamored with the process of baking bread. I believe, as Bourdain did, that a meal is almost not worth eating if you can't drag a hunk of bread through it. 
And to be honest, as someone who has developed food allergies and unexplainable sensitivities, I've completely lost my love for food. These days, nothing tastes good to me. Nothing's exciting. Maybe it's the heat of summer. Maybe there really is a limit to just how many fish tacos is too many. I don't know. But there is still one thing that excites me. Bread. There is truly nothing like a great loaf of bread. I mean the loaf that has that saddle leather brown crust and the perfect airy crumb inside. Drag it through a plate of olive oil, find me a ripe slice of tomato and some basil, and I am a happy, happy man. Breaking bread. It worked for the Egyptians. Worked for the Romans. And it's bringing Arabs and Jews to the same table. It may not be the answer to world peace, but it's definitely a damn good start. All right, that's all I got for this week. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite show. If you want to get on the email list or learn how you can support the show, you can do both at The Mind Unset until next week. Be nice. Do good stuff.